Hello, you're listening to the Let's Talk Future podcast series presented by Oppenheimer. If you're interested in the economy, the markets, and investing in general, then you've come to the right place. This series was created to fascinate and enlighten every type of investor. Curious about the latest consumer trends? How about innovations in healthcare or technology? The Let's Talk Future series definitely has you covered. Through timely and relevant conversations, we deliver some of the best thought leadership in the finance services industry. Our renowned hosts and guests explore big questions and big ideas and leave you with actionable insights. In this edition, our featured guests are Kathy Cree and Leo Dirkman, Managing Directors and Portfolio Managers of Oppenheimer Asset Management. And our host is Brian McKigney, President of Oppenheimer Asset Management. This episode was recorded on November 7, 2023. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to our episode called Fixed Income, A New Era of Opportunity. I'm your host, Brian McKigney, the president of Oppenheimer Asset Management. I'm here with my colleagues, Kathy Krieg and Leo Dirkman, both of whom are managing directors and fixed income portfolio managers. Kathy focuses on tax-exempt strategies, and Leo focuses on the taxable strategies. I must say that our clients and advisors are extremely fortunate to have such a seasoned group of professionals at the fixed income helm at Oppenheimer. Now, of course, one of the dominant stories this year has been the unprecedented move in interest rates. As a result, various fixed income instruments are trading at yields we haven't seen in decades. So today, we're going to discuss what this means for investors and for your fixed income frameworks in general. We're going to talk about the important factors driving fixed income and whether this is indeed the time to consider an increase in fixed income allocations and how to do so. To set the context, I was recently speaking with our analysts and discussing asset classes and valuations. They showed me a current valuation chart of various asset classes based on 25-year averages of yield levels for the fixed income portion and forward price earnings of stocks. Looking at the spectrum of asset classes, including equities, for the first time in decades, fixed income comes up as one of the most attractive sectors simply based on the fact that yields of both taxable and tax-exempt fixed income are at some of the highest levels we've seen in recent memory. So given the opportunity set, it is certainly a compelling time for investors to be discussing their fixed income allocations with their financial advisors. So, Leah, let's start with you. As expected, the Fed decided to leave the target Fed fund rate unchanged at five and a quarter to five and a half. According to the Fed statement, economic activity expanded at a strong pace, while job gains have moderated since earlier in the year, but remain strong. In fact, Chairman Powell acknowledged the economy has shown surprising resilience. While he said the stance of monetary policy is still restrictive, the full extent of the policy has yet to make its way through the system. When asked if the Fed has finished its tightening cycle, the chairman was, of course, noncommittal. So, Leo, where do you see the Fed leaning in December and into next year? And where do you see rates going from here? Thanks very much, Brian. Appreciate the opportunity to speak with you today. And uh, relative to where we see rates moving later this year, what the Fed's going to do later this year, we we believe that the Fed will be on hold for the balance of the year and be monitoring very closely the incoming data as it uh, is delivered to them. 
Uh, we do believe that there still is an outside possibility that they could be uh, they could raise rates sometime in early 2024 if the if the data uh, suggests that they haven't finished the job or if uh, the rates are not quite high enough uh, yet to impact uh, employment, which is really the, the key ingredient here from our, our standpoint here is monitoring that employment numbers and seeing where those are headed. Leo, when we last spoke, you said that employment number was a key indicator for the Fed to slow down on hikes. So recently, payrolls rose by 150,000 in October, wages grew by 0.2% in September, and the unemployment rate actually moved up 0.1% to 39 Clearly, the payroll number was impacted by the UAW strike, and seeming resolutions of that dispute will probably see some rebound, I would guess, in manufacturing jobs in November. I believe also the household survey indicated an increase in unemployed people and a decline in participation. But these numbers also were affected by that strike. Yet bonds have continued to rally. So how should investors interpret that? Well, I think, you know, there's a, a lot of uh, conflicting information relative to what investors are feeling versus what the, the facts are that are flowing into us uh, as we come into work every day. So one of the things, uh, as you mentioned, we're monitoring very closely is that demand destruction that the Fed is seeking out with this rise in interest rates and whether or not they're going to be successful in achieving the, the necessary degree of demand destruction where they're at currently at five and a quarter to five and a half. So we believe that the unemployment rate will continue to modestly rise uh, from the current 3.9% to the four to quarter percent uh, to ultimately achieve the kind of uh, slowdown in inflation that they're seeking. That presents an opportunity for uh, long-term investors in the fixed income arena where rates are currently. And, and we believe there's really a good entry point to, to come into the market now. Kathy, do you agree with Leo's comments? And also for clients looking to allocate to bonds in this higher rate environment, where might you recommend allocating capital across the curve in tax-exempt securities? Thanks, Brian. The tax-exempt team agrees with Leo. You know, Based upon the recent data, it seems the Fed has achieved its goal of, of moderating both job growth and inflation. Although the Fed dot plot says one more hike in the offering, we believe that absent a strong rebound in inflation or jobs over the coming months, the Fed is comfortable keeping rates at current levels. Now, given the old adage, don't fight the Fed, we therefore have taken the Fed at its word and look for rates to remain at these elevated levels through at least the first half of 2024. We believe that the best average maturity for a core fixed income portfolio within an asset allocation framework is an intermediate type maturity structure, you know, something around four six years, essentially something not too long and not too short. In terms of where to invest new money within this intermediate framework, we're looking at the longer end of the maturity universe centered around 10 years. This is very different than late 2021 and early 2022 when the Fed was beginning to talk about raising interest rates. At that time, we focused our purchases within existing portfolios in the 12 to 24 month area of the yield curve. Now post rate hikes, as the 2023 and the 2024 bonds mature, we're focusing new purchases in the 8 to 12 year area of the yield curve. Given the fact that interest rates on high quality investment grade municipal bonds are at some of the highest levels seen since 2006, 
the fact that we believe the Fed is done raising rates for now, we believe it makes sense to lock in these compelling yield levels for the extended period of time. You know, presently, a 10-year AAA or a AA municipal bond is trading at levels that offer high net worth individuals a taxable equivalent yield or, you know, the comparable yield if they had to pay state and local taxes of between 6 to 7%. This range is a function of whether or not an individual lives in a state with a high state income tax. So history tells us that locking in these income streams will benefit individuals in the long term, especially individuals looking for attractive cash flow. Thanks, Kathy. Leo, on your side, can you share your views and outlook on spreads across the investment grade and high yield portions of the portfolios that you run, please? Absolutely. So we believe that uh, we're seeing we've seen a little bit of uh, widening in investment grade spreads, a little choppiness, I guess I should say, in the investment grade spreads, and that's as a result of what appears to be a softer economy. We would expect spreads to widen out modestly here, continue to ratchet up the impacts of these already taken uh, Fed moves. Offsetting that, obviously, well, down the road will be a lower rate regime when the Fed turns and, and has to start cutting rates, as Kathy mentioned, in the latter part of 2024, for a third or fourth quarter of 2024. So, you know, we can never be perfect on our timing. What we strongly suggest to investors is that, is that they open accounts and dollar cost average in over the next, you know, six to 12 months, because we think that there's going to be some uh, very attractive price appreciation as the Fed does have to ultimately start cutting rates late 2024, early 2025. Thanks, Leo. Would you say, I I am assuming you would agree with Kathy that it's time to stretch out on duration? Uh, Absolutely. You know, we, we have been over the past two years or three years, we've been short of duration. We've been extending duration now for about the past six months, very slowly, meticulously, as a result of maturing bonds and accumulation earnings from positions in our portfolios. We really like that five-year to seven-year duration going into this economy. Just move maybe to a bit on the macro outlook. So we all seem to think it's going to be higher for a little bit longer. Is a recession right around the corner? Is it a soft landing, a hard landing? And what should our clients be expecting? Leo, let's start with you again. Well, I think the Fed is doing a really good job of being very conscientious of the impact that these rate hikes are having on the economy. We're pleasantly surprised that historically the Fed has overkilled and raised rates too rapidly and too high uh, and have been willing to put the economy into a recession to ultimately have the impact that they're seeking. This is a little bit different. First of all, we're moving into 2024 being an election year, you know, obviously the strength of the economy. They have some interest in, in trying to keep that the economy uh, strong going in into the leading into the election period. So we've seen them be very patient while we've had obviously 11 raises over since March of 22. They've been not huge in step. They're not huge steps. And now with this with this pause, coming into play, that's also indicative that they're, they want to see how things play out. And so we're enthused about that. We believe that there is a real opportunity for a soft landing. As I mentioned earlier, if the, if the, if the unemployment numbers start to fall or do not make any further progress in that sense of the word from what the, the Fed's looking for, then we would expect that you know the Fed would make a couple of moves perhaps in 24. But I uh, would like to think that they're finished and the bad news flow that we've seen over the last couple of weeks, which has led to this little rally in bonds starting uh, November the 1st, will continue and you know, there'll be 
able to put the brakes at this point. Kathy, are you and Leo on the same page with thoughts on the macro outlook? Yes, um, you know, we too believe in, in the soft landing is, is probably the most likely scenario going forward. You know, you have to remember that the, the economy is coming off of nearly a decade of, of zero interest rate, almost free credit. And if you look at the various sectors of the economy, be it the consumer, uh, corporate America, or, you know, the government sector in, in the form of, of state and local governments, a lot of these entities locked in historically low rates for an extended period of time. And, and we think that, that too will sort of temper any kind of economic downturn we can see over the next sort of 12 to 24 months. Thanks, Kathy. So today there seem to be no liquidity concerns in the muni market. When the effects of the Fed rate increases finally do take hold, do you foresee any sort of particular cause of concern with liquidity and or default risks? You're right, Brian. Historically, liquidity in the municipal market has been very limited. Given the diverse issuance of debt and the fact that each capital market dealer maintains unique inventories at any one period of time, soliciting bids or offers in the municipal market historically entailed individuals contacting the specific dealers to view inventory or requesting bids on a case-by-case basis. Now, though, through our electronic trading and portfolio systems, we can just at the press of a button, review the inventory of over dozens of Wall Street dealers, allowing us to access and filter over 10,000 bond offerings of potential investments at any given period of time. Conversely, these systems also allow us, when selling bonds, to solicit bids from the same vast network, thereby minimizing the bid offer spread. We also, through these very same systems, have new means of communication where we can view in real time post scales on all new issue deals, further enhancing our field of potential investments. Okay, thank you. So, Leo, over to you for a second. You know, obviously your team runs everything from short duration cash out to the high yield spectrum. And so at what point in time do you think it is a good point for investors to move into, say, high yield? Well, you know, right now we're focused on uh, up in quality and uh, we like the cycle for high yield to be more likely to be uh, looking at the high yield for aggressive investment uh, when the Fed starts cutting rates rather than on the rising rate environment. However, that doesn't mean that we don't want to be have, want to include high yield in our portfolio. So, you know, we're going to continue to be up in quality uh, at this time, given the rates where we're at on the economic cycle and the rate cycle. And then when we, you know, we get that Fed to start cutting rates and uh, we think that we're closer to the finishing on the cuts, then we would be, you know, backing up uh, the truck or so to speak, or, or perhaps adding to our high yield positions at that point in time. But right now, consciously uh, deciding to be, you know, uh, conservative in, uh, with our, our high yield and corporate investments and up in quality, suggesting that, you know, double Bs, uh, five Bs, which is triple B and double B credits are, are really a great place to be. Thanks, Leo. Maybe one more just sort of broad macro question, you know, for the both of you. I think I'd be remiss not to mention all of the geopolitical strife that's going on around the world. And it seems that whether you're in taxable or non-taxable fixed income, the market seems to be shrugging it off. Is there an impact that we're just not seeing yet? Maybe we'll start, Kathy, with you and then over to Leah. Well, in the municipal bond space, it's a very local view that we take of the world, while what we're seeing globally is very disturbing, it's more a function of what's happening in the domestic economy, what's happening with finances and 
the consumer's ability, as I said, to continue to fund sales tax and revenue or personal income tax revenue. So for the most part, we're pretty insulated from what's going on globally. It's more a function of what's going on in the small little geographic areas. Leo, your thoughts? Yeah. So, you know, we've obviously seen uh, situations arise over the past 19 years of of being with Oppenheimer and company. Michael and I have seen uh, markets, global challenges uh, like we see today in the past. I think that you know, it's a little bit different when it's offshore, obviously, that's a big factor. And you know, our ability to be impacted while it does exist, it does not uh, directly impact our economy to the degree that maybe may have thought maybe 50 years ago or 35 years ago. Certainly, it's something that we watch very closely. It's certainly something we're concerned about. And, you know, we do believe that the economy, you know, is frankly is slowing uh, as a result of the rise in interest rates and the spend of all of the uh, stimulus that took place during the, the, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic uh, period of time. So we're just naturally slowing. We believe that there will be, you know, bumps in the road. We'll see some stress on the inflation side. There, there could be some challenges uh, still that lie ahead for the Fed for, uh, to continue to, to force the, the inflation rate down to 2%. But, um, you know, uh, we're feeling pretty good about fixed income right now. We certainly appreciate talking to you and and having this opportunity to talk about the asset class. Well, it's been a long time coming, that's for sure. So maybe another question for both of you is, look, investors have many options available to invest in yield generating instruments. How does directly owning the underlying security work to an investor's advantage? Kathy, let's start with you. Well, I, I gather what you're talking about is the idea of, of owning a you know specific bond portfolio versus, say, a pooled vehicle, something along the lines of a mutual fund. And for us, the most important thing is that from an individual standpoint, when you have a separately managed portfolio of individual bonds, most importantly, in my space, you're insulated from the tax implications of what can happen when other people are doing trades in a pooled fund. So the idea of having a truly tax efficient portfolio where you don't have gains or losses flow through to you if if other people are doing some trading is certainly a benefit when somebody's looking for the most tax efficient way in which they can invest in fixed income portfolios. I think that for municipal bondholders, I think that that in and of itself is one of the most important advantages that you have when you have actual bonds where you you have actual maturity dates and actual cash flow and, and other transactions that are going on don't affect your um, after-tax return. Leo, your thoughts? Yeah, I would echo the same thoughts that Kathy just had. We would just embellish that a little bit further and say that, uh, you know, this uh, separately managed account really provides the investor with the opportunity to fully understand what uh, positions they have and exposures they have in their fixed income account. In addition to that, our long-only style really simplifies the, the, the fixed income portion of their portfolio allowing them to, what we believe it allows them to take greater risk in other portions of their portfolio that they may otherwise not be able to uh, to take. What does that mean? You know, in the 2008 financial crisis, our core plus product delivered a positive return for that period of time. And uh, that was very unique and very unusual to the market. And, and part of the reason why we were able to do that is because our clients didn't rush to get out of their fixed income account because they knew what they held. And they weren't afraid to, they were going to be able to make it through the cycle and weren't afraid of a downturn and what that cycle really meant to their investment portfolio because they had clarity into the portfolio. So it makes a big difference. And uh, we were able to deliver dollar for dollar type of returns when they did need it. 
when they did need liquidity at that period of time. So that's probably the best example that I have that the value of a separately managed account and that tax efficiency, as Kathy was mentioning as well, but completely understanding what you hold, uh, what your maturity schedule is, and then being able to manage your cash flow requirements and so forth is just uh, a heck of a lot more valuable than most you know, mutual fund people come to realize. Once they've had a separately managed account, they, they tend to really like that flexibility that we provide. The one thing also that I'd like to mention is that both of you also have very strong teams of analysts that work for you. And there's a lot of due diligence and research going on, you know, behind the curtain right before the portfolio is put together. Absolutely the case. And uh, we're very proud of the, of the folks that we've had. You know, our team's been together, Michael and I have been together for an excess of 25 years. And our, our group of uh, analysts here have been, in many instances, 20 plus years. Uh, so uh, we're very, you know, blessed to have the opportunity to work with the same team. Uh, for that long a period of time, we know our strengths, we know each other's weaknesses, we can fill in for each other, and it, it just makes for a solid uh, portfolio management team. Well, let me just wrap this up with any last thoughts. Kathy, anything that, that we've missed or opportunities or concerns that you think we have not addressed? I think just to sum it up and say we, we think it's a great time to invest in fixed income and the fact that clients don't have to step out on the risk scale to get cash flow or, or you know income coming into their portfolios it's a it's a wonderful time we think to be looking at high quality you know core fixed income assets again you know we're looking forward to 2024 same here I think I would say ditto to that with Kathy and to look forward to you know being able to serve clients as they come in and, and request our our services. Well, look, I'd like to thank Leo and Kathy for joining us today and taking the time to do the podcast. Your perspectives for our clients and listeners are very, very important. And we're very, very lucky to have both of you running portfolios for our clients. So with that, thank you and have a great day. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Future. We know your podcast listening options are endless, and so we're glad you're spending time with us. Don't miss out on our next episode, and remember to subscribe today. Join our community to expand your thoughts on business, the markets, and the dynamic forces affecting them. It's time to talk future.